I'm Tyler Smiley. And I'm John Morrison. And this is the Rooted and Grounded Podcast. Rooted and Grounded is a ministry of Lakewood Baptist Church that creates theological content to grow the church in our knowledge of God in order that we would grow in our love for Him and for our neighbor. Check out more at rootedandgrounded.io. That was all from memory. I did that purely from memory there, John. I'm proud of you. I think I nailed it. Absolutely. When people listen to that, I wonder if they appreciate uh, all the intricacies of what we're trying to accomplish in this podcast each and every week. You think so? No. (laughs) (laughs) what What are we doing here anyways? What's our point? Well, what we're doing here is creating theological content that would grow the church and our knowledge of God in order that we would grow in our love for him and for our neighbor. Yeah, really packed a lot in that statement. That's a lot in there, but it's all good. Allegedly, this is theological content. That's right. Talks about God, talks about the Bible, talks about uh, Christian faith, beliefs, practices, all of that. So we, we want to talk about mm-hmm. that. And the reason we want to talk about that is not just to be entertaining, though we are, not just to be exciting and the next trending podcast, though we very well might be. In mm. fact, I've got an update for you, and I'll come back to that in a second. But the reason that we do that is so that we as the church would grow in our knowledge of God. So we would grow in our knowledge of God. And the reason we grow in our knowledge of God is because we want to love him more. And also we want to love our neighbor. I mean, it's very self explanatory once you just kind of talk about it well i think it it also shows what we believe is that if we're go obviously based on the two greatest commandments we want to grow in our love for god and our love for our neighbors but pretty clearly we believe that if we're going to do that it comes through knowing god better that the more we know him the deeper our knowledge of him the more intimate our relationship with him the more we will love him and out of that love for him we will love others more what are you going to share with us? I'm going to share with you. Uh, I got our Spotify, our Spotify numbers for the year 2020 on the Rooted and Grounded podcast. Now, folks can listen to this podcast on different platforms. That's what that's what you're supposed to say, and I don't know exactly what that means, but I do know <laughs> it means that you you can listen from different places, like. A lot of our folks may be listening on Apple Podcasts. A lot of our folks may actually be listening on Spotify. Some of our folks who listen may be listening on, I think we're on another one called Stitcher. That's a pretty cool little thing there. Or you can just go right to the website, rootandground.co, and download it. You can listen to it, stream it from the website, or download it directly from the website. Are we going to be on an AM station anytime soon? I hope that one day we'll be syndicated, which again, Mm. I don't know exactly what that means, but it seems like when radio people are syndicated, everyone celebrates that as a big deal. So I got our Spotify numbers back and on Spotify, which is just one of the many ways that you can listen to our podcast, we had in 2020, it looks like we posted 65 episodes. Wow. 65? We talk a lot. There's only 52 weeks in the year. 
how did we i don't know how we did that 65 episodes 71 times those episodes were started um now this is kind of a depressing thing I, i'm I sort of like I, I, i'm already depressed it's just one platform see we could have thousands on the other platform but of the 71 people who started one of the episodes on spotify 47 finished them so, <laughs> so, so we we had a strong start and and maybe um you know i'm just gonna assume that their their uh their cell phone or device battery died partially through that and and they just weren't able to finish at that time mm. other than that the numbers look great I bet you most people don't even know we're on Spotify, nor I bet you do most people know how to find podcasts on Spotify. Uh, I just need you to get people's usernames so we can uh, start, you know, hey, why didn't you finish that episode? That's right. Call well, I'm just going to round up and say we're near the hundreds on that platform and uh, could be near more on others. So there you go. 2020. It's all good. Hmm. And today we've got uh, another topic that we're talking about, but we're still in the Psalms. You know, it's Advent right now. So for folks who may be listening and we're talking about 2020 and they may be listening for the first time and it could be like 2022 or 2026 or however long the internet is still hanging around. Uh, but right now in 2020, we're in Advent. And this Advent, we're talking about the Psalms, which has been great. I really enjoyed that. Psalm 77. Yeah, it's been it's been so good for us to I think we're going with this theme of exile of you know how of God's people not being in the promised land and we're you know talking about how that relates to the church as Peter talks about us as exiles what does it mean that we are not yet fully living in God's presence and what can we learn from these psalms of exile about our life as believers now well one of the things that uh really struck me as i was digging through these psalms that we're talking about is i appreciate how uh a lot of times when we think about uh, the 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 things that happen in the bible and the folks we're reading about and what they you know we don't we just think about it as if someone's telling their story but sometimes we don't we don't always remember that the psalms give us a glimpse into the folks who were, I mean, sort of the eyewitnesses who were living it, and it tells us how they felt in mm-hmm. the midst of it, which is a really powerful insight because when you retell, you know, a story, a historical account of something that happens, you get the idea, you get the gist, you get what you're supposed to learn, and et cetera, et cetera. It's all very good and helpful. But then when someone says, Yeah, I'm living in the midst of it, and this is what it's doing in my heart and in my mind and what it's causing me to think and feel it gives you a really unique and and helpful perspective because that's who we are as people we are all that wrapped in together you know we're not just uh brains and we're not we're we're all we are people who feel and love and think and struggle and hurt that's been a really good insight for me as i've read through the psalms and i think 77 is so good in that regard is that the psalmist's feelings are on full display, but 
it's not just stopping with how do I feel about this situation, but it's taking those feelings to the Lord and trying to filter them through faith. And so, God, this is how I feel, but let me think through how I should actually feel. Uh, just this reminder that like feelings are not a really, uh, they're not great leaders. They're good indicators, but not great leaders for us. And so the psalmist here takes his feelings, takes them to the Lord, and really filters them through his faith uh, so he can think better about life. Because what you said is a great point, that we're not just, we don't just think about the world, or we don't just view it sort of unemotionally or like we're disengaged or uninvolved, but it, it's a very emotive process for us. And particularly, as with this psalmist, as with this psalm, going through pain and suffering, uh, you, can't, you don't just process it analytically. It's an emotional thing as well. There's the, the guy that uh, you did a lot of work on with your dissertation and this sort of thing, Richard Greenham. I feel like there's a really good insight he has about feelings and, and how they relate to the Christian faith. Would you happen to have that oh. handy for oh. us today? Oh, be still my beating heart. Uh, side note, I picked up a book of Puritan prayers the other day. Uh, not Vision from the Valley. There's another one by Lexham. And no Greenham. No, no Greenham in your prayer all. book, sir. Yeah. It's like no flour in your bread. <laughs> uh, sorry, I digress. That's right. Uh, That's though, a mixture of a, uh, Puritans with a Spurgeon quote about Jesus makes all in there into one. It makes it so good. Can I just say how ironic it is that people who were so adamantly against the Book of Common Prayer are, have their prayers bound up in prayer books? <laughs> That is a great insight. This, uh, I mean, it's really good. I really I enjoy reading them and praying them, but just yeah. maybe the height of irony. Um, it is. It is. So, All right. So Richard oh, yeah. Greenham. Greenham, 16th century pastor. He, he says that we hold Christ by faith and not by feeling, which we hold Christ by faith, not by feeling. And I just think that's so helpful because we're – I'm particularly prone to let my, how I feel determine whether or not I think like I'm doing well in my faith. Um, you know, when I'm tired and hungry, it turns out I don't feel very close to God, but that's a, not a very good indication of whether or not God is close to me. Yeah. Um, and our, I think we're in this world where, you know, we grew up in a, in a time where it's very much sort of from one experience, moving from one Christian experience to the next. Like the youth group calendar for me was like, how do you go from sort of one event, one major event that put you on emotional high to another? And that was replicated for me in college ministry. Uh, and you start to think even how I've often, how I would view Sunday morning is it was a success. It was good if I felt good about it which often meant uh, I liked the music and I was well-rested and or well-caffeinated for the service, which is maybe those things are not the best indicators of whether or not they're God-honoring and faithful. Yeah. And I, I think this idea that becomes really helpful, particularly in the difficulties of life, when we don't feel well, uh, we don't feel close to God, to remember, no, 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 it's, it's not how we feel, but it's actually our faith. And more importantly, it's the object of our faith. It's Jesus Christ. And that's why we're secure in God, not because 
we feel really good that day. Um, when it, it can be hard both, both times that when you're uh, feeling overwhelmed or overcome or even depressed, um, your feelings can really drive you in that sense to where you do feel separated from God. Of course, the other is true. I think a lot of times when life is good and you're happy, maybe you would just feel like, oh, well, everything's good and fine. And I don't, you know, and it may cause you to sort of put blinders on yes. your your relationship and faith in Christ. It kind of works both ways, really. Right. When Yeah. When everything is going so well, you're just dulled to the, your need for God and the reality of it. As long as so you're talking the, about, oh, yeah. I was just saying, Greenham, actually, he has a whole section on how basically uh, affluence can be just as dangerous to the Christian as affliction. So, like, when things are going really well, it's almost, he might even say it's more dangerous to your Christian walk than when things aren't going well. Because you, you're so, we are so prone to forget that we need God when things are going great. And all of that. I think what Greenham, you know, what you've helped, but what Greenham helps us really see is all of that is, is part of being a human being mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't escape all that comes into what it means to be a person. And, uh, you, you can't just pretend like those things don't have an effect on you or, or whatever you may be facing. And so to let our centering point be my faith in Jesus Christ and, uh, through the highs and lows of life, that is what holds us steady, and that's what keeps us accountable and in check, and all that is just so, so very helpful, I think. And uh, yeah, really insightful, especially when you start to to engage with the Psalms and and uh, this sort of thing. On on faith, have you seen people try to treat faith like it's another work? Like if I I just need to believe harder, or I need to believe more, or God won't accept me because I don't believe enough. Have you seen that? And then how, how do you help people not treat faith like something they have to do or accomplish? Well, I think a lot of times folks think about it in that exact way, because, you know, we want to say, well, we're, we're saved by our, our, by grace alone, by our faith in Christ alone. And, uh, but then there's always that, well, hang on a second, but isn't my faith and believing an act of a work that I have to do. And so you, you just can so quickly slip back into, well, if I'm not believing well enough, is God really going to save me? It's got, you know, am mm-hmm. I really secure in all that I have, which I get. And, and maybe there be time where we can sort of delve into that a little bit deeper. Uh, there's validity to that for, for sure. But it's almost uh, missing the, the question altogether, the point altogether. The point of it all together is to say, my faith is a reminder that I can't do it. I have to depend on Christ. And it's that, that uh, dependence and trust that he is going to accomplish for me what I need. And as long as I'm uh, depending on him and him alone, then I'm secure mm. in what I have. And, and I think you're exactly right, that when we make faith a work, not only does it confuse us probably about what it means to be a Christian, but it it causes us to lose our full dependence on Christ, put more of our trust and dependence on ourselves. And then all that comes into that, like you have a bad day, you're not sure, you, uh, you know, you have doubts. I mean, all of that 
starts to really become a challenge for us, especially probably for a lot of folks, doubt about Christianity. Is it true? Is it real? And if you're thinking faith is your ability to believe and the doubts start to chip away at that, well, then you, you really can lose security quickly. So for me, it's got to be a lot of your dependence. Where, where are you really hoping that you're going to find security? And if it's in yourself, we're, we're, we can be pretty fickle. Hey, one of the great statements of faith in this psalm, in Psalm 77, comes in verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. And I think that's just such a great grounding for the psalm, because we'll see as you go through it that the psalmist feels far from God, like God's forgotten him, doesn't remember him. And yet this great statement of confidence and faith is, is there at the beginning. And I think really helpful for us, too, that we can cry aloud to God and he will hear us. You are, as we've established preeminently, the pastor of the Holy Spirit, as we have discussed many times. Uh, right. I mean, this is this is in the Old Testament. Hero is really Lord our God. The Lord is one. Right. Thinking about God as Yahweh, God as the one true and living God. And yet through the New Testament lens, I think it just really comes off the page that we can cry out to God as father because we've been adopted through the son. But I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about what, what role does the Holy spirit play when we cry out to God? Like how does knowing what the spirit does when I pray, help me have confidence that my father, my heavenly father hears me when I pray. Yeah, nothing. And, and uh, the psalmist, I think probably captures part of that too. And, and even recognizing that uh, even calling the descendants of those that God, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Joseph, that they mm-hmm. are their children. Even, I mean, I know that's a way of just describing the descendancy, those who, you know, have come from it. But just to put that in your mind as if to say, yeah, it's like a child of God who is just going to trust and love him and depend on him for everything. Um, so when, when we think about our adoption, into the family of God, I think, first of all, you recognize that this is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, so we're adopted in Christ. I think about Ephesians 1, that we're adopted in Christ as sons, but it's done by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But then maybe uh, like Paul in Galatians, as he talks about the work of the Spirit, that it's through the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father, which for me, is a great reminder that everything we have as a child of God comes because of who God is and what he done, what he has Mm. done in Jesus Christ and by his spirit. So that even our ability to call out to God as father, even the reality that we can do that is not in and of ourselves, but it's as, as, Paul will say, as God's word makes clear, that it is the spirit within us who cries, Abba, Father. And that uh, we have one God who exists in three persons, that we can cry out to this God because Jesus Christ, his son, is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of the living God, is alive in those who are Christ's followers, who in, in us intercedes 
and even makes our request known uh, request known to the Father, and cries out from within us. Mm. So for, for me, prayer, especially, is I mean, it's it's such a uh, it depends on the fullness of God for it to become a reality. Uh, we cry out to God through this, so we depend on the Spirit to do this in us which is just a great encouragement that God who hears us is also the God who enables us to speak what's in our hearts and in our minds and in our thoughts. And you've been helpful for me that right, just highlighting this Trinitarian reality of prayer, that it is the work of the father, son, and spirit, but just to vocalize that when I pray as a reminder, because it really, to me, it reinforces verse one that God will hear me this reminder that, oh, he doesn't hear me because like I'm good enough or that I deserve to be heard or my faith is strong. And then he hears me because I, he has adopted me in Christ. He's put his spirit of adoption in me who is now crying out, Abba Father. So it is real. Like you said, it's the work of God in us that is leading to him hearing our prayer. So it makes it so much more secure than well, I just believed hard enough, so God will hear me. That's right. But it's actually rooted in his work in our lives, which is, it just makes verse one all the more sure, right? I mean, just the confidence we can say, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. I just think that's a great reassurance. Oh, yeah, in our times of need and desperation, and and we can have confidence that God hears us. Mm -hmm. And that's right where uh, Asaph starts this psalm. But also... As he's praying to God, he's reminding himself of all that God has done. And that's what kind of starts to bring him out of this really a, a state of pretty deep depression, it seems like. I mean, he can't sleep. He's having mm. a hard time speaking what's on his mind and heart. And But it's God's work among his people throughout all history that get, sort of grabs him out of this muck and mess mm-hmm. that he's in and starts to put him on a stronger foothold of confidence in God. So, I mean, as Christians, how, how is it that, that we can look back on what God has done and find encouragement from that? I mean, how do, how does that work in our minds and hearts and, and what can we learn from the psalmist's uh, practice of doing that for himself? Yeah, I think it, it brings us such hope and encouragement because at God's acts in this world remind us of who he is. Uh, he's really revealing, he's truly revealing himself to us that he is, he's kind and compassionate and gracious that his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. He's the God who redeems. He's the God who saved. And you just see that over and over and over again, that this is who God is. And I think for us as believers on this side of the cross, We look particularly to the death and resurrection of Christ and say, ah, that's who God is. And because of that, this is who I now am in Christ. And that provides us all, yeah, all the comfort and the hope that we need. Uh, But I think this Psalm's also really, I mean, three or four times Asaph writes about, I will remember and meditate. Mm-hmm. these ideas, not just remember, right? So there's, there's that cognitive element, but the meditate, just this consider, mull over, think through. It's not just a quick remembering, but 
he starts in verse three when he's talking about he's in his day of trouble, he's weary. In verse three, I will remember to I when I remember, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. And then in verse six, he says the same thing. And it's not till verse really 11 toward the end of the psalm that he's starting to get any sort of relief, which I just think mm-hmm. reminds us like it's not as if when we experience these this sense of being distant from God or some sort of spiritual depression, a place of darkness, loneliness, whatever it is, it's not as if, oh, I just remember remember the gospel and I'm all set. But it's actually this quite frankly, I mean, what he lays out here is a pretty troubling, long process that almost through this whole night, he is moaning, his spirit is fainting, but he continues to remember and meditate on the Lord. And I, to me, that was just a reminder in studying this psalm. Like, no, it, It's a process. It's not, yeah. oh, I memorized that one Bible verse. I called it to mine and I feel better already. Uh, but that it's hard work and it may be and you know, these seasons that he's describing when you feel like the Lord is spurning you, that his steadfast love has ceased, it may be a night, it may be a week, it may be months, it may be a year, but that the process is still the same to keep coming back to remembering who God is and what he has done and keep mm-hmm. calling those things to mind uh, and lifting our eyes off our circumstances into the character of God. I think that's ultimately the hope and the relief that comes but Asaph shows this is this is not an easy process. This is not a quick fix, um, but it is just a continually going back to remember and to meditate on who God is and what He's done. Well, it takes perseverance, and mm-hmm. so much of Scripture is about persevering. Oh, I love uh, I love that you brought that end. out on yeah. Sunday. The waiting mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, that, and that's that's the Christian life, isn't it? It, uh, it seems to be. <laughs> seems to be a lot of waiting involved. It takes perseverance. And in fact, I mean, even the New Testament speaks so frequently. It's those who persevere who will be with the Lord. I mean, it's those who are faithful to the end. And when we face difficulties and trials, I think, um, I mean, even though they're difficult and they're hard and it's Certainly, it's not that we wish these things upon us, but it does sort of peel off a little layer and shows us perseverance is really hard. Mm. And I actually need God's help to make it to the end. Otherwise, on my own strength, I wouldn't do it. And when you read a psalm like Psalm 77, where he really struggles for the majority of the psalm, at least for the first half, I think like you pointed out so well, all the remembering and meditating he does doesn't work at first. <laughs> and and yet it's after continually seeking the Lord and going to him and pondering and meditating and thinking and praying and searching, he finally gets to a place where he has confidence in what the Lord has done. And so often it's the difficulties in life that teach us what true perseverance over a lifetime will look like. Uh, what perseverance in the Christian faith. And for me, when I read Psalms like uh, 77 or any that we've read during this study, it's really not a challenge or a stretch at all for me to see the work of Christ being uh, 
pointed to and highlighted and waited for even then. When you think about Psalm 77:10, when he writes, I will appeal to this. It's right, right what you said, 11, verse 11, it starts to turn. And finally, his meditation is starting to get him into more confidence and trust in God. But in 10, I will appeal to this, the years of the right hand of the most high. And I just think, what is the greatest thing that the Lord has done by his right hand? Man, he has, he has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he has brought him and set him at his right hand as king and ruler over all things. And when I am down and depressed and unsure and uncertain, I'm just going to appeal to that, like that Jesus is at the right hand. He is God's strength. And God has put his full might on display by overcoming death and overcoming uh, what the world calls weakness and shown his strength through Jesus Christ and what he's done. And boy, that's where, man, when we get that, we find our certainty. It's mm. not on us. It's on what God has done. And to me, the Psalms just, it wrestles with our real emotions and feelings, but it's always pointing us to our need for God to act for us. And when we remember he's done that in Christ, it just makes it all the more clear on why I can have confidence in God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So what God is great like our God. Well, man, great Psalm. I'm really enjoying this series and the, the devotional that we have to go with it has been really encouraging as well. Uh, the sermons, you've done a good job. So keep up the good work. Well, you've got one coming up. We're all excited about it. Well, actually, I just looked at the order of service, and it's uh, you've taken all my time with your uh, coronation. So uh, I only am allegedly a devotion is what is I'm allowed to offer. It's not if even I a full it a sermon. It, if I called it a sermonette, would that make you feel better? Uh, no, because in seminary, they had this saying, sermonettes make Christianettes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, well, I went to a Baptist a... seminary. We're really good at silly <laughs> sayings your father told me i had time for one point and half a poem and i told him i would just quote part of dylan thomas's poem uh about raging against the coming darkness that he should not go gently into this night it's about it's about dylan thomas's father dying but you know retirement yeah. dying it's very similar i just told him to rage rage against the coming retirement rage yeah Oh, well, I look forward to hearing how that goes. And uh, <laughs> at least half a poem. Half a poem. I got to find a good half. That's right. All right, Psalm 77. Keep reading. Excited about Advent. And uh, it's always good to be with you. Thanks for your time, John. Thanks, Tyler. Talk to you soon.